Now, how many of you are New Year's resolutionists? Right? That's just what we do. That's just what we do. My, year, my New Year's resolution, I'm just going to make it right now and break it right now. My New Year's resolution, <laughs> seriously, it's going to be a record. You've never seen one broken this fast. My New Year's resolution is this. I resolve to stop making New Year's resolutions. See, I broke it right away because I made it. So anyways, uh, no, people do make New Year's resolutions. And why? Well, because we do want to start over. We do want to kind of reset. And, and uh, a news organization was interviewing people yesterday, and I wrote down some of their resolutions. Uh, one person, his name is Kenny, said, his resolution is definitely to move out of my parents' place. So I wondered how old Kenny was. Is he five? Is he 50? You know, <clears throat> it doesn't make a difference, right? Bill said his resolution was to continue to walk as much as possible. That's a great resolution. Uh, Blake said his resolution is to work, take care of the kids, be a good daddy. I like that one. I like that one. That's a good resolution. Nikki said to be a better person and to give back more. You know, it's, it's, it's admirable to want to be better. It's admirable to want to help people. And I'm glad that that's her resolution. And then Brad said he wants to care about people more, which is wonderful. It's actually very biblical. It's very Christ-like. And then Ray said his resolution was to live life to the fullest, no matter who's the president. thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> live life to the fullest, no matter who's president. There's no shortage of people. <clears throat> There's no shortage of people in this world that want to give you advice, whether you want it or not. They'll line up to give you advice. But there is someone's advice that we should all want, and that is advice from God. What does God want to tell me so that I can make sure this new year is one that will make a difference in the world. That I can be the person that God has called me to be. That God has created me to be. Is that your desire as well? So today we're going to find out what God's advice is for the new year. And I can't think of a better passage in scripture... Then Psalm 1. Psalm 1 will be our text today. I would like for you to stand as we read and or recite. How many of you have memorized Psalm 1, the chapter? Many of you have. Here's a challenge for you. If you have not memorized Psalm 1, please make that your resolution. And then if you do memorize it, come tell me that you have. I'm not going to make you recite it most likely. But if you know it, try not to look at the big screens and let's recite it together. If you don't know it, just read it. That's fine. But together we will say this wonderful verse in Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit and his season. 
His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Lord, we're so thankful for the truths that we have in your word. Lord, drive them home to us today. And Lord, help us to find out what you want us to know for this new year. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. According to this passage, this first psalm, we have two options. Our life can be a tree, or our life can be chaff. Now, some of you non-agricultural suburbanites have no idea what chaff is, and so I'll demonstrate that for you today. But we all know what a tree is. How many of you have seen the mighty redwoods or sequoias? How many of you have stood there in, uh, in, underneath the shadow of these giant trees. This is a picture of my wife, Karen. And this is in California. And here you can actually walk through or drive through some of these incredible trees. It takes your breath away. It's one thing to see it on a picture and look at the pine cone that she has in her hand. I mean, look at that thing. So it's one thing to see it. It's another thing to actually be, be next to one of these incredible trees. They just go up forever. And the sequoias are actually uh, larger in, in weight than the redwoods. But let me tell you this. If you can ever go out to California in the Sierras, and there's some actually near San Francisco, uh, I would encourage you to go check out these incredible massive trees. But think about trees. Trees are such a blessing. Trees provide shade and, and beauty. And often it provides some sort of a, a, a useful object like fruit or even the wood from a tree. Trees are so awesome. Do you want to be a tree planted by the rivers of water? Or do you want to be chaff? Now, what is chaff? I'm going to demonstrate this to you. This is a home coffee roaster. I have an addiction. It's coffee. Um, yeah. So coffee, we call it a bean. It's actually not a bean. It's this seed here. And if you were to take a, a smell of green coffee, it smells, it smells to me like grass. Grass. So it has no coffee scent whatsoever. I'm going to have uh, Caleb. Come here, Caleb. I want you to just smell this and tell me if you agree. Do you smell? Does that smell like coffee to you? No. no. So what does it smell like to you? Take another sm- sniff. Like beans. Like beans. Okay. So it has no coffee flavor, uh, a smell. At all. Isn't that strange? So what you do is you heat it up. And in this little gizmo here, 
You put the green beans into a like hamster cage. It looks like a hamster cage. It rotates around heat elements and it slowly heats them up. And then what happens? There's sugars inside that and they heat up and they expand and they caramelize. That's what the brown color or the darker color. If it's like a brown, a light brown, that's like a light roast, a French roast. And some of you like that. I like it a little darker. How many of you like your coffee a little bit like a darker roast? And now some of you like burnt coffee beans. That's Starbucks. Okay. If you like burnt coffee, it's all the sugars are now carbon. Uh, but that's, that's what green coffee, and you can buy this. So I buy it on Amazon. I get it really cheap. And then you put it in and you start it. You push all the buttons and it goes probably about 20, 30 minutes. And then uh, you start to hear a, a pop or a crack. What's happening, there's a, a first one that's really hard to hear. It's more of a, um, a pop, I would call it. And then the second, it's called like more of a crack. You think of like Rice Krispies. It sounds kind of like that. Almost popcorn, but not quite. And then once it's done, it starts to cool down. And once it gets cool enough, I open it up. And when you open it up, you see here, the the husk has, when it popped, when it cracked, the husk has come off. And inside here, we have a little thing that catches all of this uh, chaff. This is chaff. Now, I'm going to really make our maintenance people upset at me right now. I mean, look at that. So... If you blow that, it just goes every which way. I'm sure I'm covered with it now, right? But you see here, here's the finished product. It's a nice uh, uh, medium dark roast coffee that just smells absolutely marvelous. And any of you that want to try some of this, I would give you, I will give you some of this after the service, as long as you don't trample me like the kids did last Sunday. So that's chaff, okay? Let's talk about chaff. Chaff, uh, someone wrote this about comparing the tree to chaff. A tree soars above the earth. Chaff floats aimlessly. A tree is firmly grounded. Chaff eventually turns to dirt. A tree provides refreshment and shade and fruit. Chaff is of no use to anybody. A tree is beautiful. Chaff is annoying. A tree is mighty. Chaff is minuscule. A tree or chaff, the choice is yours. What do you want your life to be? A tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season or chaff which the wind blows away? We're going to give you five pieces of advice from God today from Psalm 1. The first one is this. Don't be of the world. Don't be of the world. Now, there's a reason that I put the quotation marks by of. That's because there's a saying that we use that's called, that, that goes like this. Don't be of the world, even though We are in the world, okay? We're all in the world. That's obvious, right? So what does that mean? That means don't be part of the the ungodliness of the world. We're going to get into that more. Let me focus on the first word of Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, blessed. Blessed. 
How many of you want to be blessed? When you sneeze, people say, bless you, like you've got some sort of a demon coming out of you. Or gesundheit. I don't understand that. When people say, bless you, I said, well, thank you, Father. And they, they don't know why I say that. But that's fine. If you, if you bless people that sneeze, that's fine. It's just weird, isn't it? Isn't it weird? Bless you, my child. So, blessed is a Hebrew word. I'm going to teach you Hebrew today. The Hebrew word is asher. Say asher. You all are now fluent Hebrew speakers. You say asher, you're saying blessed. I love that name. As a matter of fact, it is the middle name of my middle grandchild, Charlie. Charles Asher Sortman. And he is a blessing. All grandkids are blessings, aren't they? Say amen if you just love grandkids. Amen. Blessed, Asher, blessed. And by the way, this word is plural. It literally means, oh, the blessedness is. It's, it's not just you, you want a blessing. It's, it's blessings upon blessings upon blessings. And if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, your blessed life will continue forever and ever and ever. The blessings will never end. It's like a fountain of water that will never run dry. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So look at this. You have a progression of, of a person. If you don't want to be of the world, don't do these three things. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Do you see the progression? There's a progression that Christians can make in the wrong direction. What's the best advice for this new year? Don't be of the world. Don't start that progression. You're starting with walking, then you, then you stop. The next thing you know, you're sitting. You're in the place of the world. You're, you're, you're doing things that are worldly. You say, well, Christians, we won't do that, right? Well, yeah, we can. We shouldn't, but we can. And, and we have to guard this every day. Every day in, of the Christian life is a battle for doing what is spiritual or doing what is carnal. Carnal means of the flesh or of the world. Okay? When you put your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, you're saved from hell, and now you have a, a new spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have a new nature, but you also still have that old, stinking, stupid old nature. And whichever one you feed that day, whichever one you exercise that day, is the one that's going to be the strongest and is going to dominate. Until we get to heaven, we still have this old nature to battle. Every day has to be a battle in the Christian life. You can choose today. Am I going to be a tree or am I going to be chaff? Am I, I, am I going to be just in the world or am I going to be of the world? Well, let's beware. Let's beware of, of stopping and sitting and, and conforming to the world and letting the world conform us. Let's never let that happen. Let's beware of friendship with the world because the friendship with the world is going to lead to love the world, which is a disaster every time. 
So let me give you an example. Sorry. Let me give you an example of a person in the Bible that did this progression toward carnality. He is a relative of the great faith figure, Abraham. His name was Lot. And in Genesis 13, 5, we read that there's a conflict between Abraham and Lot. The nephew of Abraham went with Abraham. They both had flocks and herds and tents. They had both left Ur of the Chaldees. They had both traveled to this new land of promise that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were both herdsmen, shepherds, and their, their, they were experiencing pr- prosperity. And their, their shepherds were starting to get on one another. And it says the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together for their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. And they were starting to get to, into some fights over land. Not the, not the two uh, principles, but their, their shepherds. And Abram said unto Lot, by the way, if you don't know this, Abram's name was later changed to Abraham. It started as Abram. Said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. Isn't that a wonderful thing for Abraham to say? He, he wants to make sure that there's no strife. And that's something we ought to all really work hard at, is to make sure we dis- diffuse situations. That we take the high road ourselves, even if it means we're actually going to get less for the sake of peace, for the sake of not offending our brethren. Let us be the person to, to take that step. And here Abraham took that step. In verse 9 of Genesis 13, we continue to read, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes. So they were both in the Judean hills. And Lot was looking east. So if you look from the Judean hills, somewhere around Jerusalem, probably a little bit to the east of Jerusalem, they have the the highlands there of Judea, Samaria. You look east, you're going to look down to the lowest spot on the planet, the Syrian Rift Valley. The Jordan River flows through that to the Dead Sea. He would have been looking down into that region. And behold, all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. And Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Then the Bible gives us a little more detail about this Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. If you don't understand what the problem was at Sodom, it was homosexuality. Now, if I say that the Bible is against that, people might label me homophobic and that I'm a hater and all a bigot and all of that. I'm not. I love every person. Every person needs to hear the gospel. But we better also warn people of destructive sexual behavior. Okay? 
God, there was something about this sin. All sin is wrong. Sexual sin is elevated as even worse. But then this one was the highest of, or among the highest of the sexual sins. And it's against creation. It's against the way that that God uh, created us. And so, so this is, this is Lot. Lot lifted up his eyes. And he looked toward the plains of Sodom. But then he not only went down there, he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Okay? So you see the progression. First he looks. He's kind of walking in the counsel of the ungodly. This, this, these, these areas were known as areas of wickedness. But he saw, the, he saw the plains. He saw the water. He saw the green. He saw the productive uh, nature. And he said, I'm going to go there. He didn't think about, what is this going to be like for my family? What is this going to be like for my spirituality, for my walk with Christ? He didn't think about any of that. He just started walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Next thing you know, he's pitching his tent towards Sodom. He's sitting. He's not just standing in in, uh, the the place. He's now sitting. He actually, in, in chapter 14 of Genesis, we learn that he's now living in Sodom. He's sitting in the seat of the scornful. So I would look at him and say, this is an example of a kernel Christian. You say, wait a second, how do we know Lot was saved? Well, fortunately, the Bible tells us in, Luke, in, in 2 Peter, in verse 6 of chapter 2, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. So later, Lot and his family was rescued out of Sodom, and then God poured down fire and brimstone. We were once on a tour of Israel, and we were down in near the Dead Sea, and the bus was driving along. And the guide said, uh, if Sodom and Gomorrah existed, that's where it would have been. And I had warned him ahead of time. I said, listen, uh, we're going to get along great, but don't ever put down the Bible. So I took the mic and I said, Sodom and Gomorrah once existed, and that's where it was. And so we had a better understanding after that, but that was the last time he guided our group. Because it is true. People don't want uh, that to be in the Bible because they want to do what they want to do. But God clearly says that that's wrong. So God turns the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with an, with an overflow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Okay, Don't live that way. You say, well, I have this same-sex attraction. Fight it like you fight every other sinful temptation. Okay, fight it. Don't, don't give in to that, or you will face destruction in your own life. And you, can you be a Christian and, and, and act that way? I think Christians can do about anything non-Christians can do, but not without God's chastening. God loves uh, his children, and he'll chasten his children, especially if we get that perverse Second Peter 2, 7, and delivered just Lot. You say, only Lot? No, just Lot. Just means uh, redeemed. This verse tells me that Lot is a believer. We would say born again in our New Testament parlance. Okay? But he was vexed with the filthy conversation. That word means behavior of the wicked. Why? Because he looked. He decided to go that way. He starts to move toward it. Next thing you know, he's sitting That's the progression we need to avoid in our Christian life. Don't be of the world. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And some people say, well, 
I want to be friends with the world so that I can win the world. And listen, that's actually correct. That's admirable. You can be friends with people that are worldly as long as your aim is to win them. Don't be friends just to be friends. Don't be, why? Because the next thing you know, they're going to be influencing you in the wrong direction. Okay? So, so think about that when you're choosing friends. Are they godly? Do they know Christ? Are they godly? Are they lifting you up? If not, don't, don't hang out with them. Don't be friends with them. You're more of the world if you do that. Now, if you're doing it for the sake of the gospel, and that's really your heart, and, and you're giving them the gospel, that's, that's what we should be doing. Okay, but it's a, there's a difference there, isn't there, between that friendship and one of just uh, loving actually the, the sin uh, or the, the carnal life that that person is doing. So let me just tell you this. The best way to keep from walking down that path is to not have friendships with worldly people unless it's to share the gospel. Don't be of the world. Number two, the second piece of advice from God for this new year is delight in God's goodness. In Psalm 1-2 it says, but his delight, this is in the blessed man, okay, the, the blessed man doesn't walk and, and uh, stop and sit with sinners, but the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. And in this law doth he meditate day and night. What is the law of the Lord? What is this right here? The law of the Lord isn't the Ten Commandments. The law of the Lord is the Scriptures. Okay, So you need to delight in God and delight in His Word and, and read it and meditate on it. Let me ask you this question. Have any of you thought of food today? Have you any of you thought of food today? Raise your hand if you've had a thought of food today. Yeah, right? You think of food. You're thinking of food right now. You're thinking of lunch, aren't you? And I, I did that. It's my fault. <laughs> so we should have that same hunger, that same craving for the Word of God. You say, well, I, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have time to, to read a chapter or a book of the Bible or even a verse. I don't have time. How much time are you wasting on your smart device? How much time are you wasting on pursuits that have no eternal value? Refocus yourself. Delight in God, delight in his word, read it and meditate it. Here's one thing that you really need to do. At least every day, read one verse. Can you all do that? Read one verse, at least. Uh, Hopefully you can do more than that, but read one. Don't let a day go by without reading one verse and then not just reading about it, but thinking about it. What's meditation? It's kind of like chewing on it. That's with the Spirit of God that indwells you. And when you read something that is from God, that is true, you're going to be surprised at how that one thought is going to impact your life today. It's incredible how God can do that. But he can't do that unless you're delighting in his word and meditating on it. A biggest problem in Christianity today is that we don't read his word. We don't desire and delight in God's goodness. Number three, the third piece of advice from God for this new year is this. Desire your life to be fruitful. Fruitful. Now, I asked how many of you want to be blessed, and we all want to be blessed, but let me, let me switch that up and, and say, actually, I, I don't want you to desire to be blessed. 
I want you to desire to be a blessing. Okay? Because if you're only taking, you're not giving. And if there's any fruitfulness, you're not, you're gonna, it's going to dry up. So in order to be blessed, you need to be a blessing. And that will never dry up. It'll never stop. It'll, it'll just keep going and going and going. So Psalm 1-3 says, And he, this one that doesn't uh, walk or stand or sit with the ungodly, this one that loves, desires, and, and knows the law of God, the scriptures, and meditates on that every day, he shall be like a, say it, tree. Okay, you have a choice. You want to be a chaff or you want to be a tree. You can be a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, what's the, what's the good thing about a tree by a river? It can always get the water it needs, even if there's a drought, even if there's no rain. Why? Because the river flows by and those roots are going down and they're tapping into that water source. That unending water source. And if you can be a person that uh, is careful every day not to live worldly, and if you're a person that is careful every day to, to get into the word of God and meditate on it, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That's going to be a blessing. That's going to be fruitful, right? As it says, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And then also the leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Okay, that's prosperity right there. So let me just tell you this. Don't desire money. Don't desire fame. Don't desire recognition. Desire fruitfulness. Desire fruitfulness. My wife and I were so blessed this Friday to be part of our addictions recovery ministry called Simple Steps. It's a national ministry, but the chapter here is the, 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 the first chapter, and it's, 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 it's a blessing to be in the room with people whose lives have been radically transformed by Jesus Christ. And, and I was sitting with a circle of men, and we probably had... Uh, for sure, 80 to 100 people that came, and we told all the leaders to, to not come, and they wanted to come because I made prime rib. <laughs> but I said, no, you can't come. I want you to at least have one Friday off. Every Friday, no matter what, we have the addictions ministry, and we almost always have 100 or more people that come, people that are hurting, people that need, need help and need encouragement, and we need a reminder every week to, to not go the way that they once had gone and so as I sat there and I listened and I said, listen, I just want to go around and I want you to share praises, share testimonies of praise. And I heard the most amazing things of how God was working, of how they've been sober and clean for two years or three years, or that, that they're now being the, the dad that they always wanted to be and didn't know how to be. All these testimonies are fruit, fruit, fruit. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you need to teach that to your children because it's true, right? We shouldn't want to be blessed. We should want to be a blessing. And when you're a blessing, you're going to be blessed, okay? 
Let me, let me just give you a short list of what fruit is. What is fruit? Well, fruit is sharing the gospel. Fruit is seeing people getting saved, winning souls. Fruit is showing godly character even under pressure. Fruit is giving money to the Lord's work. Fruit is serving the Lord with your time. Fruit is doing good works. Fruit is bringing praise to the Lord. These are fruits. And this is the fruitfulness that I hope that you desire in your life. And then Psalm 1-4 tells us, decide you want your life to matter. Decide that you want your life to matter. I think most people really do want their life to matter. You really do. So decide that. Make sure that that's something that you want. Because it says in Psalm 1-4, the ungodly are not so. So we have the contrast. We have the tree. It's fruitful. It's a blessing. It keeps giving. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And here in my home coffee maker, we have this thing full of chaff. And, and this, this uh, contraption here collects that chaff because I haven't dropped enough yet on the floor for our maintenance crews to come and clean up. I want to do it a little bit more. I mean, look at that. That is the most worthless, light, flimsy, minuscule, messy stuff you'll ever see in your life. It's that husk of the, of the grain that, that they, uh, they are able to, to take off and then they throw it up and the grain falls back down and the chaff blows away. That's a threshing floor in the Bible when you read about that. That's chaff. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Is that what you want in your life? Or do you want your life to matter? You can't contrast something, two different things more than a tree and chaff. And then the last piece of advice that is from God this year is in verses 5 and 6, and it's this. Determine to reach the lost. Determine to reach the lost. It says in Psalm 1-5, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. What is this congregation of the righteous and this, uh, this judgment? Well, first of all, there is a, a judgment coming upon all people that have rejected the gospel message. And it's called the great white throne judgment. And what will be determined in that judgment is not heaven or hell. What will, will be, be determined in that judgment is a degree of hell. Now, I'll just tell you this. Hell is hell, but we all agree that certain people that have harmed uh, let's say children or pedophiles or uh, mass murderers or, or you know, dictators like a, a Hitler, Hitler and a Stalin, Stalin that have killed millions, they should be the, the deepest, darkest part of hell should be reserved for them. Hell was designed not for us, but for the demons and the devil. But that is the destination of all that refuse to accept God's love. Who? Why would people refuse that? Okay, so there's this judgment coming. And if you're a godly person, that doesn't mean that you've lived a perfect life because none of us have. But if you've been, if you've been justified like Lot, how was Lot saved? How am I saved? It's by putting my trust in the righteous one. Okay, 
I'm going to let you down hard, okay? Ready? I've been preaching this whole message about how you need to be the blessed man, woman. Okay, I'm going to let you down hard. You can't. You can't. You cannot be the blessed man. You cannot do it. You cannot live your life without sin. Okay? So does that mean that we're all ungodly and we're all going to be in this judgment, this, this separation of, of people all designed for the lake of fire? We will not be in the congregation of the righteous, those that are with God forever? Well, no. I'll explain it in just a second. Let me go to the last verse. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. This word perish means lost. Lost. There is a coming day of judgment. The Bible says there is a final and eternal lake of fire reserved for the ungodly. I hope that all of us pity those that don't know Jesus Christ. I hope we all will resolve to pray for them and think of ways to share the gospel with them. But we cannot be this blessed man of Psalm 1. You cannot do it. But fortunately, there is a man who has never looked longingly at sin. There is a man that has never acted upon temptation. There is one that, that never went into a selfish direction. There was a man who was in the world, but never of the world. There was a man who never did anything outside of the will of God. Who is this blessed man? As we look through Scripture... We find a lot of people, maybe we can ask, is Adam the blessed man? No. Adam disobeyed God. Well, maybe it was Noah. Was Noah the blessed man? No, because Noah got drunk. Oh, maybe Abraham. Abraham is the blessed man. No, because Abraham lied. Oh, no, no, it's Moses. Moses is the blessed man. No, Moses killed a man. Oh, maybe it's David. David is the blessed man. No, because David committed adultery. You know, as you go through scripture, you're going to find there is no person that fits the criteria of the blessed man that we read about in Psalm 1, except for one. There is a man. His name is Jesus. Okay? And he, because he's the blessed man, because if you will put your trust in him, not only will you, will you be saved, but you can live a life that is blessed and a life that is a blessing. But only through him. Only through him. So have you learned something today? Have you hear, heard from God today? Has there been advice from God in his word for you today, for your life? I hope that. That is the case. I hope that, that you will resolve to be more like the blessed man. And when you're like him, you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing to your wife. You will be a blessing to your husband. You will be a blessing to your children. You will be a blessing to your grandchildren. You will be a blessing to your parents. You will be a blessing to your neighbors. You will be a blessing to your friends and to your coworkers and to your employees. You will be a blessing if you are like 
the blessed man. If you allow him to work in your life on a daily basis. If you realize that, that there's a, 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 a warning in scripture not to go down that path like Lot did. And I'm sure at the beginning of his journey away from Abraham, he never thought he would be living in Sodom. But that's the progression that started. And we have to guard ourselves from even going there in the first place. How? You set up safeguards. You ask the Lord for help that day, but you also get friends that will tell you when they notice that you're going in that direction. Do you have any friends that will tell you to sit down and shut up? If you don't have a friend that will do that, maybe not use the word shut up. I don't know. Maybe they need to, to get your attention. But if you don't have a friend that will do that, find the friend that will do that. Because we don't see it ourselves. We're blind to, to a lot of these things. But get someone that sees it and will call us out and will help us to not go down that path. Now, that person that uh, goes down that path and they, they live a carnal life or a sinful life, can they be lost? No. The Bible says that you are given eternal life. Now, they can lose. What can they lose? They can lose joy. They can lose opportunities. They can lose rewards. But they cannot lose salvation. Okay? So that's that one solace. But why would we, why would we lose? Why would we want to lose? Oh, it looks so tempting. It looks so nice. It looks so, I, I really, you know, the New Year's celebrations last night, I, I flipped through a couple channels. I was kind of appalled at what they're putting out there. I'm like, why would, I, why would any people want that? Okay, so guard yourself from even looking longingly at something. Be, be warned, be aware of the dangers. Get someone to help you in your life. And then if you do all that, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You're going to be fruitful. Your, your leaves will never fade. You will have an entire life and eternity of being blessed and being a blessing. So how can I be saved from my sins? Well, it's when you realize you're a sinner and put your trust in Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the only one that lived a perfect life because we couldn't. Now watch this. Those of you that are here, those of you that are watching, I'm going to give you an illustration. Those of you that are listening, I want you to, I'll I'll try to describe it. I'm going to raise my left hand and I want this to represent all of us. Every person in this room, every person watching or listening Uh, This is us, okay? And I'm going to let my phone represent sin. The Bible says that we all have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. What are those sins? Well, we just named a bunch. Adam uh, disobeyed, rebelled against God, did did exactly what God said not to do. And you said, well, God's holding back. God doesn't want you to have fun. God doesn't want you to have a, a good life. No, he that's the lie. He does want you to have a blessed life. That's the whole point of the life with Christ, but you have to do it his way. Why? Because he made you. He knows what's best for you. Okay? So, but we've sinned. Moses sinned. Noah sinned. Abraham. All have sinned. Lot's sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Let my right hand represent God who is perfect, but he decided because he loves you so much and that your sin separates you from him that he was going to send his son, Jesus, Let my right hand represent Jesus. He had no sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he was made sin for us. So I just took the phone out of my left hand. Jesus was made sin and put it in my right hand. He was crucified on a cross. He was buried and the third day rose again. He paid for your sins. 
Now you say, well, then, then why can't I just go to heaven? Well, because he offers you eternal life and you must receive it. How? By faith. Put your faith in him. I'm putting my right and left hands together, intertwining my fingers. And, and this is the, the situation now. Once you put your faith in Jesus alone, not a religion, not a priest or a pastor, but in Jesus, watch what happens. You have eternal life. You are safe in the hand of God. You say, well, what if I mess up? What if I let go? You probably will mess up, but you are safe in the hand of God. Okay? So that's the truth. You can never be lost. Now, let's just allow the Lord to work in our life to make us more like his son, the real blessed man of Psalm 1. But you have to make that decision. It's a one-time decision in your life that you say, I'm a sinner, I can't save myself, but right now, dear Lord, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. And if you'll do that, the Bible says you're saved. And that is the greatest news, not just for New Year's Day, but for every day of the year.